Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom and Nick coming to you from 19 floors above the Central Business District in Houston. Today, we, along with approximately 50,000 of the others in Steeler Nation, observed a humiliating 30-6 loss at the hands of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texas Texans, as we will call them out of respect today. Can we start with some good news? You have some? (laughs) First of all, let's start with some good news. Let's do it. First of all, the platinum lot is sublime. That, in combination with a seat in row G behind the Steelers bench was a an experience I don't think we're going to experience again in quite <laughs> some time. It good. It's good to know people. <laughs> Look, we were far overdue for a father-son trip and a father-son Steelers game viewing, and it was incredible receiving uh, the gift of these tickets to get to this game. I knew where the seats were. I was very excited. A family friend tried to give us these tickets a few years ago on Christmas. We weren't able to go. We were required contractually to be in D.C. for Christmas. And so we were there today. We properly expectation set. So honestly, I will say part of the theme of this podcast is truly not being surprised by the, out- by the outcome. But when you get there and you're that close to the game, we haven't been to a game together since Cordell was starting and you can see the pores on poor Kenny Pickett's sad face <laughs> from how close we were. The yellows on the black and gold looks even yellower. They look even golder. It's glorious. And then, yeah, the good stuff ends there because this is what I walked out of the stadium thinking today. The Steelers is the Steelers. And that sucks. And what I mean by that for anybody who needs a refresher is Juju Smith-Schuster famously said before a big Steelers-Browns game a couple years ago during an interview when he was asked about the Cleveland Browns team who was vastly improved at that time. They asked him, what do you think about this team? And he shrugs off the reporter and stupidly says, now the Browns is the Browns. Basically saying, the Browns suck. They'll always suck. I don't care who they get on their team. They're just going to suck. And then the Browns beat the crap out of the Steelers. So that was unfortunate. Then again... The Browns haven't done anything since, and now the phrase the Browns is the Browns has re-proliferated, which is beautiful. But unfortunately for us, the Steelers is the Steelers. And what I mean by that is none of this should be surprising. We're, We're doing the same podcast every week for the past five years since Feetner. Now, it's gotten to an all-time low for sure, but like I said, you, there's almost nothing left to say. The, the more interesting conversation is how are Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney II, how are the Steelers allowing this to continue? I mean, when you are there in person, as I expected, it's much easier to see how truly terrible Matt Canada's play calling is. And here we go again. We'll give you the same spiel that we've given before. 
We will like Kenny Pickett has been bad. We'll we'll talk about that later. Mike Tomlin is in charge of the team, of course. But it really does all come back to the fact that the NFL game right now. I don't know if there's anyone more important than the offensive coordinator, and I unless you have a Josh Allen world class quarterback, who by the way didn't even get over the hump as a quarterback until he got a great offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball. I think P. Butch and I were having a discussion earlier, like Mahomes had a like a losing record, like a 500 record in college with Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if Mahomes went to the Jets, if you can honestly say he would have become Mahomes. So the way that the game works now is a lot of people are watching it and people like to watch scoring. And the offensive coordinator is key in that. If you watch Justin Herbert for the Chargers play, there's no way you can come away from watching him play and say anything except for this is one of the best players in the league, point blank period. If you're box score watching and you're score watching, so he's not really winning, you, you need to look on the field and see, well, every time he drops back to pass, whether there's pressure or not, whether there's pressure or not, he completes the pass. Whether it's short, far, intermediate, anywhere. <laughs> the man's incredibly talented, but yet they don't win. And the consensus is because they don't know how to call an offensive game. And so... The Steelers' struggles come back to this CEO of offense who was appointed by Tomlin, but when you watch Matt Canada's offense in in person, of course, there's the, I don't want to say subjective details, but I guess subjectively it looks clunky. There's not a a lot of rhyme or reason, but then there are the objective details. Down and distance, if second down, he's running. You know he's running. If it's Second and over 15, he's running or it's a screen, and it is so predictable. Every other team talks about it in interviews. Every person breaking down film talks about it. It is what it is. But when you watch a person, you really do see how simple it is. It's two by two. You get two receivers on one side of the formation, two on the other side of the formation, and they just run little combo routes, little high school routes. So that's slant flats. That's curl flat. That's smash. So what the problem is with the Steelers is they wanted to go back to Jerome Bettis time. We want to smash the ball. Again, they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to set up blocks for that. But what they fail to realize is the good offensive coordinators in this league don't just line guys up there and call plays for them to be out on an island. They look at what the other team does defensively. And defense is based on rules. Hey, our rule as the Steelers is when they have trips receivers to this side, these are the responsibilities and these are how they change. Okay, but if we play the Chiefs and they have trips and this particular guy is Travis Kelsey, this is how we're gonna play it. So a good offensive coordinator looks at those teams and says, hmm, I'm gonna manipulate these rules. I'm gonna call a trips formation because I know how they have to react to that. And in response to them reacting, I'm gonna throw the ball over their head, yada, yada, yada. The Steelers don't do that. They just come out and they call plays. You got a superstar like George Pickens. We saw it in person. It's brutal. I mean, I think he had like, I didn't count the snaps, but I remember him one time being in the slot. He just stands out on the far sideline and they run him on three different routes. We have seen plenty this year to know like he can run enough routes to be dominant. Doesn't need to be Deontay Johnson. He's bigger, faster, and stronger than everybody. All he does is run the same. They don't try to get him open. You see everything Miami does for Tyree Kill, who already is the most talented receiver in the league. You saw what we used to do even for AB. And they're working their butts off, moving these guys around, trying to get them the ball. George Pickett's like, I don't know, I guess I'll just stand out there and on third and eight when everybody knows we need to throw a back shoulder, we'll throw a back shoulder and hope for a, uh, hope for a pass interference. So 
we'll, we'll say the same thing next week. The Steelers is the Steelers. The change is now. We all know it should have happened before the season, but now you're a quarter of the way through the season. You have four first downs in the first quarter of this year. Cumulative. Four games, four total first downs. How many times do we look at each other? Eight minutes left in the second like they haven't scored. Mike, it's not working. I don't know, like... If you promote Mike Sullivan to a play caller, it truly can't get any worse than it is. I see people on online, like put Ben in there, let him play, call, let him call plays, and other Twitter heads will be like, "Look, there's a lot better. There's actual play callers." I don't know if there are play callers during the season, and I do think truly someone like Ben Roethlisberger, who's been in the building for a while, would just anything would be better than this Canada thing because the thing I'm worried about is like a mutiny eventually that you you just you know you're going out there you have no confidence that the team's going to do anything i know the ravens switched offensive coordinators halfway through their super bowl winning season but they did switch to jim caldwell who i don't know if he had ever called plays before but obviously he'd been head coach uh, so i don't know if the steelers have anybody on staff who can do this but all i know is that hopefully this game which luckily we didn't win right like, winning that Browns game is kind of a bad thing. Like, look, we won. We'll score 14 points on defense on a regular basis. Like, hopefully we are getting to the point where the Steelers realize the pressure is on and they're wasting this incredibly talented team that they have so much more talented than the Texans. They're wasting this great head coach who made the mistake of hiring Canada. And I know people are that makes him not a great head coach. I disagree with that. I think every coach in the league has a fatal flaw. And what you need to do is you need to cover up for that, either with an amazing quarterback or with something else. Like, you're just, you're wasting a well-built team and everybody knows it. So how does that affect your locker room once this keeps happening? Because we know it will. You know what? It feels like a brontosaurus in a tar pit. It just feels yeah. like it's we're not going to get unmired, even if they made a drastic decision to get rid of Canada. Right. Do you know what? The statistic that I uh, looked up, the last time the Steelers had two sub-10-point games was 2019. And we're four games into the season. Remember uh, that so in the defense, I guess we would have had uh, double digits against the Raiders, but 12 of those, I guess 14 of those points came off, off the defense. So, we so That was the Browns, and then I guess we got sorry. to double digits versus the Raiders. We got three, four interceptions. It's like... You can't play like that. And sometimes I think Mike wants to. Like he even mentioned it in the post game. He said, "Look, they're they were getting rid of the ball really quickly, and we let them run on us, which is our fault. But generally, when they're getting rid of the ball quickly and they're running, we don't have an opportunity to create splash plays, which is what we live off of. And I agree, that's modern defense. But you can't count on getting three picks every week. You're not going to play Jimmy Garoppolo and a broken Deshaun Watson every week. So they just have to learn that the game is played through the offense now. You have to prioritize that. And so you're, the Steelers is the Steelers. This is what's going to happen when they play D'Amico Ryans, the head coach for the Texans, who was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco. San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, and the Niners, and good teams, Bill Belichick, anybody from those trees, they know the Steelers. And so the Steelers lose 30 to 9 versus the Niners, but it really could have been 100 to 9. And they lose 30 to 6 again and can't get a, can't get a yard. And it's just so hard watching the Texans, who I'll talk about CJ Stroud later, who I, he, he's a big one for me because I remember him just coming out in the draft and having no 
hype and me thinking like this is such a bona fide first round quarterback. I know it's not Anthony Richardson like or Josh Allen from the crazy skill, but like he's really big. He has an awesome arm. He's really accurate. He can run. Like these are the kind of guys that are coming out frequently. There's seven of these guys in this draft, and we took Kenny, who is kind of a minus in all those physical categories, and then we we give him this <laughs> level of offensive structure around him. But going back to Stroud and the Texans, they have like three good players. And are we calling Tank Dell a good player? Like I, I do like him. He's cool. But it's not Jamar Chase. The Steelers have so many star players and they got ran out of the gym by the Texans. And when you're there in person, you're watching the game, you just watch their offense and you just think like, oh yeah, like you can do offense. Like they got, these guys have nothing. And I think Stroud's good, but you watch them. They're like, oh, the Steelers can't cover the middle of the field on post patterns. So we're going to run posts out of the slot. Well, for the 40th game in the row, Steelers like, we don't run any seams. We don't run any posts out of the slot. We don't do it at all. Let alone, we don't spam it when they show that they can't stop it. And they'll throw like, here's a post. Here's a fake pitch to the left and we'll roll out and we'll throw something to the right. Here's a classic drop back. Here's a screen pass. Like some flow and rhythm to the offense rather than, here come the Steelers and the wing tee. That's interesting because Mike Tomlin attributed this win, much of the win to you know the inability for the Steelers to stop the run. And it's true that the Texans had 139 total yards. Pierce had 81 good and 139 you know above average yeah but it's not 250 yards rushing what i saw happen and i think tomlin did follow it up with the fact that it was their tempo they mixed things up so yeah. well and the steelers mm-hmm. they they couldn't figure out the next play i mean we were we were just watching them get eviscerated you know because they, they, they mixed up their their offensive playmaking so well that's an awesome point you just gave an example of a team that has not a lot to work with but they try things. They try new things. Like, let's go tempo. Like, that'll, that'll switch it up. The Steelers don't do any new plays. And we, we were excited in the, in the preseason with the posts and uh, some of the middle of the field stuff that has basically disappeared in the first four games. Which, by the way, we go back to the, the title of the episode, I think. The Steelers is the Steelers. Like, it's the same thing we said. But like, no middle of the field. They, they, they run in predictable down situations. They don't move George Pickens. There are so many resources out there for you to be able to just copy some stuff from some other teams. Like, just go figure, like, hey, how do they move, you know, Stephon Diggs around in Buffalo? Like, why don't we just take one or two of these things? I'm not saying install an offense in midseason. That's not realistic. You're, you're totally training players' brains in a different way to be like, hey, this is how we play offense. I get that. But, like, try anything there hasn't been a shred of a difference in that play calling and then that's the mike tomlin and the roonies frankly who kind of get off scot-free with it but that's the issue with the steelers and that's why i'm hoping that this game helps being like final game of the first quarter horribly embarrassing way to lose i know they're not gonna make changes now but there will be more of these this year i hope that you can now say like okay the sample size is large like whatever you want to say, Mike, he had a young quarterback, he had a young team. The sample size is large now to not only have no improvement, they are they might somehow be worse than they were last season. Maybe the expectations are just bigger. We've been pounding on Canada and attributing you know, sort of this laying that's at the feet of Mike Tomlin, but Mike Tomlin did not look like he had this team prepared. Right? They look no. they look kind of flat, and I'm not sure how you know, definitely as the first half went on, they look flat. The set by the second half, they looked somewhat demoralized. We're like looking at these guys on the sideline until yeah. Najee broke that, had that reception that yeah, he incredible run. 
yeah, that, that great run that sort of rallied us for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, do you remember when the Texans had the ball inside the five, ready to score? And yes. the, 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 the stadium was, even we were depressed, the stadium was silent. Yep. The Steelers, 50,000 of us were there. And for a while, we were going, after the Najee oh, catch, people were going insane. But we had a goal line stance, and you could have heard a pin drop in that stadium. So the, it was pervasive, that whole demoralized feeling. Yeah, because you just know what's going to happen because we have a 40-game sample size. It's just such a large number that you can't honestly look at yourself in the mirror and say, like, it, it just a little bit more time, a few more plays here and there, and we're actually in that. The defense is off the field. We can win a 23-20 to 20 game. It's like, dude, the Texans are going to have a top-five pick this year. And this just keeps happening. The Steelers is the Steelers. You talk about them being flat. Mike Tomlin on the road as a favorite. The numbers speak for themselves. I don't have them in front of me right now, but he has a an embarrassing losing record in those situations. Steelers can't get up for games like this. Kind of every team has these sort of hallmarks, but uh, the Steelers is the Steelers. I, there was nothing about that that surprised me. It just bummed me out. Mike Tomlin really acknowledged the, the psychological state of the team when he said, we didn't min- minimize the negativity. And I, I don't know how to read into that other than there were things going on in the sideline that he heard or saw. No, he meant negative plays um, on offense, penalties, oh. loss of yardage, which is the worst thing I could have heard him say. On one hand, bookmark that. NFL should have no- moved this game. NFL should have moved this game. They moved the Ravens. They made us play the Ravens on like a Wednesday morning one time in COVID because the Ravens can't not catch COVID. We were stuck on a damn plane, Kansas City, five hours. You move the game. Move the game five hours. This should have been a a six o'clock game just in a steady window. So not only is Matt Canada against the Steelers, but... The Steelers are against the Steelers. I can't see for that far. What are the penalties? So we had two penalties for 18 years. Yeah, exactly. So I agree with you. It's even worse because him saying that's a thing here, a thing there. It should be more like, yeah, we can't create any explosive plays. We have no rhythm and we have no, yeah, we have no dynamic nature to our offense. That's the problem with the offense. Not, ah, it's a few losses here or there behind the chains. Like, there's no point where you're moving the ball. I would be curious to see how many times the Steelers have attained a first down on a down that wasn't third down. Like, I said this last year, the Canada aim, which again, this is 1998 revolutionary West Coast high school football. This is so outdated. It's unbelievable. But like, the goal is... We're just going to get three yards at a time. We're constantly going to convert third downs. It's just, you, there's no place for that. So, and, and the NFL needs to move the game. Five, if they play in five hours, you get a nap. You don't get this damn J.J. Watt retirement ceremony and all his glory and all his newfound charmingness and coolness. This is crap. They shouldn't have been able to do that to us, first off. So, you do have to excuse them there. So that, to me, shows the mindset of it's just a few things here or there when it is so blatantly the whole machine is, is broken. And so... What do you mean when you say the whole machine? The offense needs to be completely destroyed and you need to make plays that work. It's not like if you pick up a few plays here or there. I do agree. If they, if they make a couple more plays here or there, like they actually have a legitimate chance of winning that game. And so... I wonder if he's missing the forest through the trees in that. Like if Kenny uh, if Kenny can stop his weekly airmail to a wide open receiver in the end zone, he missed 
Connor Hayward. And this is happening every week. So those misses got to stop. So I do acknowledge that the Steelers, I actually think they would have had a legitimate chance of winning the game if the quarterback, who he looks so glorious in person. The main is even shinier. He's magnificent. He's just a likable guy. I feel like his personality is superstar quarterback. And obviously he's in this crap situation. And he has major warts from his college game that anybody who's not like totally blind pit fan could, could see. But that doesn't mean those warts couldn't be overcome. Obviously, he's in the worst. <laughs> he's in a very bad situation to learn how to overcome those. But if the quarterback plays like average, there's a good chance that the, this game looks very different. Um, I think there's quite a few drives, though, like those three and outs where he doesn't even have the opportunity to pick up a first down. You're, you're going to be down 13-0 anyways. But if the offense can just at least pick up some first downs, the, the three and out rate's incredible. That will help the defense a ton in a multitude of ways. Number one, it gets them off the field and not as tired. Number two, it gives the Texans less opportunities to crack the code on the Steelers' defense. Hey, we've had an opportunity to run trips four times today. We definitely know how the Steelers are running it. We figured out their wrinkle. It exposes them less. And then third off, field position. It gives them a longer field to have to go through. So I, I could see how Tomlin and the Steelers would poo-poo the, the public and like, look, Football games are a few plays here and there. And the play calling changes if the game's closer. But if that's how Tomlin and the Steelers really think, that would be scary because that might beat the Texans, but you know you're getting boat raced versus the Eagles and the Niners or anyone really good. So uh, maybe this was a good thing that they lost like this. We've said this so many times, though, haven't we, Dad? Like maybe it was a good thing that they lost so humiliatingly and publicly. This is a... This is becoming a, a three, four time a year thing for the Steelers. And it's going to happen again this year. So you just wonder what it is. And I don't know. Do you, do you have anything else on that before we move on to Kenny and, and kind of like what do the Steelers do going forward? We're going to flip the defense later. Because I'll just, my question is. Yeah, go for it. With how many replacements did they have on the offensive line? Oh, it was. It was at least two, and it might have been five. To be I mean, Kendrick Green was starting. No turnovers, no no sacks. No sacks, nope. Why? Well, that one that one's a bit understandable. And you, if you look at, uh, let's shout out our guys, Derek, the kid on Twitter, John Ledyard, Alex Cazora, and then, obviously, we're sitting right there on the field. You can see they're in max protect. They got two guys out in routes. They got like two or three guys out in routes, and they're, and he's dropping back, he's hitting his back foot, and he's throwing it. A couple times he shifted around, and then a lot of those times, Hayward or uh, Highsmith or, or TJ would get to him and he'd throw an incompletion. But he just did not give them the opportunity to um, get a sack at all. And the Steelers' corners are so unplayable, which we knew going into the season. This isn't a, this isn't a surprise. You got like a 40-year-old and a 29-year-old who runs a 4-9 when he came out in the combine. I mean, it's brutal out there. And and once again, Minka, he's getting the late Troy treatment. He's a superstar free safety, and they're making him play slot and, and, and all over the place, and he's not as good at that. And now you've lost the superstar player, right? So even though they're in these max protects, well, looks like we're playing someone who hung out with Kyle Shanahan, so he knows exactly where to throw the ball in the Steelers' defense as well. So I don't think it was that like TJ and the boys didn't come to play. I just think that the Steelers got emasculated in the coaching game again. It sucks because the Steelers, pound for pound, the talent is not comparable. They are two times better than the, te- the, 
the center has to be at least three times bigger than this. That's what it is for the steel man. And uh, yeah, they just got their lunch eaten right in front of them. Like a bunch of puny little boys. Puny boys down there in Texas. They came out there and threw brisket right in their face and knocked them out. Sucked. All right, we got to talk Kenny. Once again, unbullet. He looks glorious in person. Looks even a little bit bigger. Biceps getting a little bit bigger. It's nice. Uh, so, Kenny's biggest problem in college, I think, is the modern college QB problem. It's like you see Baker Mayfield, you see all different kind of guys do it. Everybody's athletic now as a quarterback. So they can freelance in college. You just watch one college game, and if you're just a, like an NFL obsessive like we are, when you watch the college game, it is a different game. The hash marks being that far apart, I think, affects it, but the pockets are massive, massive pockets. And, and even if some guy breaks through, you have all this room to juke him and, and, and get out of the way. And so these quarterbacks don't learn how to play quarterback. They learn how to freelance, and they don't learn how to do what C.J. Stroud knows how to do, which is I stand in the pocket, and I really don't notice the guys around me. I slide around, but I just – C.J. has such a good clock. He's a little bit – I think he's a little bit bigger. They look similar on the field. But stand in there, stand in the pressure, step up, throw it. On time, on time, on time. Kenny's great when he's on the move, but he's not good enough – to, to scramble past people, as we've seen. He frequently has turned into a basketball, which has bounced off of the turf into concussion land. By the way, this is the fourth game Kenny's been knocked out of. And what's he played? Like 15 games, maybe? So I think that's probably something people need to look at. He hasn't. And that play sucked because on one hand, we were cracking up in the stands when they came out for that fourth and one like Texans 30 or whatever. What do they do? Shotgun. They go into shotgun. Let's back this up six yards because this worked so well last week when we ran shotgun and ran a mesh with Kenny Pickett. Like, he's Lamar, right? Yeah, let's run him. Oh, if he just handed it to Najee. Anyways, let's just run something we never run. Let's back it up six yards and Kenny loses six. Well, this time we also, after Najee Harris was really revved up and starting to gain yards on every single carry, we're going to put him in shotgun and we're going to throw it. There's just another example of there's no rhyme or reason. They're just playing Madden out there. It's brutal. And Kenny gets the snap, fades back in the pocket. No one's around him. He spins, does the Russell Wilson spin, rolls out to his left, right into a defensive end who sacks him and hurts his knee. It's like he just sacked himself on that play. So every week... Kenny sacks himself two or three times. Every week, Kenny looks at George Pickens uncovered on a slant, inexplicably scrambles in the opposite direction, and then throws an incompletion. Every week, Kenny misses a wide-open touchdown pass. And so this is what I think about this. We have seen that actually talent-wise, Kenny could have that Tony Romo type, uh, I don't want to say like career, but he could be like a Tony Romo type. Like, he can sling it, and we saw it. It was great to see it in person. There was a, uh, a third and long where uh, Pickens was one yard short, but Kenny rifled that thing in there. And you see, hey, if he scrambles smart, if he knows, hey, I'm Tony Romo, I'm not Kyler Murray, he can scramble. He's incredible throwing on the run to the left, particularly. He's much better on the yeah, left to the past right. Past the Najee was sort of like Whew. backwards. I mean, he was going, he was throwing to the right as, um. yeah. I mean, it was fantastic catch, obviously, but... That was that was pretty athletic, 
So yeah. It was like the Ravens it. touchdown to Najee. It's, it's yeah. lack of consistency. And, um, and, and, well, it's a consistency, unfortunately, and, like, you don't know how to play quarterback. You're scrambling too much, right? And you're, you're breaking out, and you're not, you don't have the physical talent to be able to scramble like that. And then nobody's making it easy on you. There are no generated completions for Kenny. So, of course he's going to scramble. At every stage of his life, he's been a stud. He's not used to scoring six points a game. And how could you trust Canada in this offense? There's going to be a mutiny soon. I promise you. There's going to be a mutiny. And so you take this quarterback in the first round, who nobody really thinks is a first-round quarterback. I think this is a promising guy, but look at the guys going in the first round these days. And, but his leadership skills, his, the moxie, all that stuff, you see through the first year, like, oh, yeah, this did translate from Pitt. But he's not Josh Allen. So you, you look at Brock Purdy. Like the amount of I know that you can't compare to Brock Purdy. He has the best offensive coordinator on the earth. That's not realistic, right? But we're just looking for league average. But you take this quarterback in the first round who's not overwhelmingly physically talented, and then you make the game as hard as possible on him. Like how is he supposed to get out of those habits of standing in the pocket when every single play you line up on – Two receivers on one side, two receivers on the other, and then just, I don't know, just pick the route. There's never any like, okay, fake the handoff here, turn around, there's going to be an over, just throw the over. It's going to be wide-ass open. Okay, we'll put a guy leaking out the bottom for you. There are none of those in the whole season for Kenny Pickett. The incredible touchdown pass he had to Calvin Austin, which shows you like, look what Kenny Pickett can do. You never saw Josh Dobbs or Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky do a play like that, getting blown up in his face, perfect throw, 50 yards in the air to a streaking guy like Kenny does show flashes, but to expect him to survive in this without reverting back to his old ways, it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculous ask, and you're not putting him in position to be successful. It's like putting George Pickens in A.B.'s role or Deontay. Like, you're a good receiver. That means you're exactly like this good receiver. Like, it's, it's, uh, so it's a bummer. I think that I have adjusted my opinion over the years with, with P. Butch watching the Jets to, I, I think I do agree, like, you can ruin a quarterback, and, and this is how you do it. it. Like, how could he trust anything he's seeing out there? Uh, so I'm not absolving him because we're pointing out the exact mistakes he's making, but I just think it's a terrible job with this franchise that really struggles with offense, except for acquiring players. We got a good roster. That'll be even better next year. They, like... You took the guy who needs some help around him and you gave him a guy who's never called plays in the NFL and who's never had a successful season calling in college. Like, I get if Ben were in his prime still and you're like, we can kind of work with what Ben already knows. And like, we have AB and Le'Veon. Let's use this unconventional Canada guy. Like, no, you you just said, I think this guy is going to be good for the first time. He's going to be good in the NFL. And then we're going to mentor the, the raw quarterback out of pit. So it just sucks to watch because... Now we have to watch freaking Mitch Trubisky, and they're kind of the same player. No, Mitch is such a nice guy, but it's just it's a perfect punishment. It's like an Andy Dalton type thing. Yeah, you're right. Kenny needed a sensei, not a, not this guy for sure. Right. You know what? I wonder if there'll be a Brian Flores available next year for the offense. Well, because you, you sort of wonder where would where would an offensive coordinator come from? Because all the good ones are going to be head coaches, right? I think that actually the Steelers are in such a dire position that anybody, it's finally becoming national news, so this is the other positive thing. Everybody's going to agree, like this is, this guy is historically bad. Like this is a Nathan Peterman level. Peterman. 
level OC. So we don't need a Flores. We just need competent. Like, we just need a competent guy. So I actually do think your best move forward is the old joke of whoever had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay. I'm like, you look at the Dolphins, you look at the Rams, you look at the Niners, and you interview these guys, and you should be able to tell, and you get them on a damn chalkboard, you get Ben in there, you get whoever you have, because obviously nobody in the Steelers building knows about offense. It, like, and you just you take somebody from one of those rosters. Who will, uh, an offense, uh, take a QB coach or whatever it happens to be, those guys aren't all getting head coaching jobs. So you can get someone who can be league average because we need to see what's up because here's the thing with this season. If you can ruin a quarterback, well, look, there are seven freaking guys next year in the NFL draft. Everybody has more physical tools than Kenny. The Steelers have good players. I don't want to get rid of Kenny because I'm already emotionally attached to him. I love him, but I think this is the Steelers' time to prove that they're not the Minnesota Vikings, that they're not the Dallas Cowboys, this beacon of above mediocrity, right? You need to show that you can cut bait with Canada, and you need to find out this season, hopefully Kenny is healthy enough to play, because this is the next few games are just a complete waste of everybody's time. <laughs> Utterly. Like, okay, well, maybe Mitch. Like, all right, good for Mitch. He gets to play a little bit. But, like... And you need to draft another quarterback if Kenny's not the guy because there's so many options and Kenny doesn't have anything that just screams like, you can't you can't give up on this guy yet. And I don't want to say that and I don't want to put it all on the quarterback, but just the, the game is played through offensive coordinator and quarterback and there's just so many more options than what they're going with now. And I think the Steelers, philosophically, this is their problem. Like, they won't make those moves and I need to see them kind of like be a little bit more bold. And if he plays well the rest of the season, great, but we need to know. Well, the question is, will he play the rest of the season? We don't know the extent of this injury. Yeah, they didn't report anything on it either. Obviously, so we'll see. Didn't look great, and he's but... also on his—he's also on concussion. He's going to be the next concussion is going to be like his fourth. I know. So, will they make a decision about you know as far as as the the concussions, let alone this knee? So that remains to be seen. But what it what we were talking about as we ran to the car to beat the traffic is seriously. Will the Steelers be more likely to draft a quarterback if Kenny doesn't play because they they can claim that they need insurance? So because I do think they like these guys to save face and they you know they make bets and they stick with them for a long time in the face of overwhelming evidence that they made a bad selection. I think that I would like to say that they'll change their ways based on the fact that the Steelers are becoming a meme with how many times they've put this flaccid, floppy product on the field over the last few years. Good. Thank you. I would like to say that they would change. I don't think that they would make that many changes. Like, I, I don't know if I believe in them to actually do that. I think that their thing is, like, Kenny needs more time. Canada needs more time. Keith Butler needs more time. Presley Harvin, hey, TBD, needs more time. Which is very odd to me because there are not a lot of examples that I can come up with outside of Ike Taylor who needed more time. It was basically like, yeah, you kind of know by year two who's a star with the Steelers. Or who's like, oh, who's a good player? Like, oh, Highsmith is already good by year – Highsmith's good in year one. Oh, he's definitely good in year two. I don't know if he'd get this good, but he was showing that. So I don't know where this comes from with the Steelers. Like, it's not like the team is littered with all these examples of like – it just took him forever to get good, and then he did. I'm like, they were all good by their second year. And yeah, sure, they keep improving, but I don't know where that comes from with them. I'm not trying to disprove you. You, you know these no, players I'm with you. I'm with you. forward and backward. I mean, 
Bud Dupree, Edmonds turned out, well, Bud turned out to be pretty good, and Edmonds got to be serviceable. But do you think it's sort of like the family culture thing at work? You know, yeah, I think I, it like is. Like always drafting family members and guys whose dads played for the Steelers. Is there, is there some element of that that has them hanging on to people and there's an emotional um, decision rather than a business decision? I think so. I think that the family culture, I think that they're like, they want to do right by the guys. I mean, Kenny and, himself might be somewhat of an emotional... Maybe they said, we let Dan Marino go. We could have had him. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but, um, <laughs> but Kenny's a hometown hero in some respects. Yeah. But, you know, Dan was from Pittsburgh. Kenny's from New Jersey. It's not quite the same. After, <laughs> I, I got you, but do you think that I call that a was a play, you know? Uh, yeah, I think so. They draft all the biggest Pitt heroes, right? If Addison had stayed a Pitt, they would have drafted him. If he went to USC, he's dead to us. But if it's James Conner or Kenny Pickett, they, got Pal- they had Palco on the roster for a minute, I feel like. At That's some right. point, I, Rob Rutherford probably spent a – you think he got drafted wow. by Carolina. But that one's easy because that was the Larry Fitzgerald days. H.B. Blades, the greatest linebacker name of all time. But, um, yeah, I'm not trying to like, – like I said, I'm rooting for him, and I do feel like we've seen – a lot of his talent on the field that says, "Hey, in the right situation, he could be better." But you gotta figure, you gotta figure out these right situations more. We said on the podcast on the episode where they retained my uh, Matt Canada. We said on the podcast, "Fine, for continuity, for Kenny, young quarterback, for young everybody else on on the team, it's ridiculous, but fine." But here's the caveat: you can't come out like you did the last few years, like last year particularly. You can't score a point in a game, like. We can't say, just give them time this year. You've had the time. You need to start good. They've played four games, and they've been worse than they've ever been. And I just refuse to believe that Mike Tomlin, who's arguably one of the most brilliant, inarguably one of the most brilliant men in general in the NFL, I I find it hard to believe that he could really look back at all the film and be like, we did win the Browns game. It's like, the offense was horrible in that game. Like, you can't be so results based you have to forecast can this te- does this team look like a team that at any point can compete with the dolphins and the chiefs and the bills and if the answer is absolutely not and we're not even close and by the way the last time we play like all those teams we lose by f- we don't just lose we lose by 30 you got to wake up so i don't know how many changes can be made in season I don't know how many times we've said, all right, it's good that this embarrassing loss will spur them to action. I don't know how many times we've said it, but I do think as they pile up, eventually something's got to be done. And hopefully something is done. And you got to just watch out for the mutiny, man. When Mike Tomlin said there will be changes, I sort of wonder what they could possibly be at this point. He said that before in prior years. Project Jones, like Project Jones, will probably start. Yeah, but the play call—that's my only thing. I don't even know who else on Mike Sullivan, the QB coach. I guess has called plays a few times. That that sounds like that just sounds like Feetner. Like, well, there are fifty thousand fans who are who are probably call a better game or at least call something different. (laughs) Do you think the the door is open for Brad Wing? I think Presley Harvin had the best two-game stretch for a punter of all time. They'll yeah. let Brad Wing go, and the injury will linger for Presley, and he'll go back to what he was before. <laughs> no, I hope he does awesome, man. I keep my fingers crossed. But that was cool. That was so cool seeing Brad Wing so close to us. It was so surreal. A relic from the, from the good old days. Well, pre-good old days, I guess. Great haircut. Look, we've been pounding this nail for a while now here. Yeah. Um, but I, I was... Glad we got to do this. Appreciative to your friends who gave us the tickets. Very. Appreciative to you guys for listening. And I have to say, this is my first 
time out of town for a Steelers game, and it's magnificent to see. The, the hotel is full of black and gold. Ugh. The people were teeming towards the stadium. It was awesome. And the whole being buoyed like that was that much worse because of the product we had to see. It really was. And I, I told you I, as we were walking out, if we were at this game six years ago, Killer Bees, like good Steelers team, and we lost the game. Yeah, it's we. If you don't think like you're not on the team, then you're you're doubly missing the point, and now you're being weird for taking it seriously like anyone gives a crap. But if we had lost that game as Steelman Nation, Steelers Nation, I would have been embarrassed in my behavior and unable to control myself in my rage. I would have been so angry. Just if we had lost, not 30 to 6 or whatever it was today. If we had lost, I would have been so angry. I went in to this trip knowing that this was a possibility. Knowing losing, knowing getting blown out, it's always a possibility with the Steelers. I went, you know, rewatched the beginning of that Raiders game last week I mentioned. I'm like, this is not better. This is a 70, this is one sick pass to Calvin Austin, but it's three and out and a couple pick sixes. Like, there, there is not improvement yet. Um, and today, walking out, much more controlled as a human being. Proud of it. Still angry. Still angry now. We both are. Except for those Texan fans who were making fun of us as we walked out. It feels That's like tough. the weak kids it's, on the beach kicking sand tough. in your face. It's tough. But I will say, despite all that, emotionally, might have matured. But I felt embarrassed, and I, I don't think that that's matured. But so many Steelers fans there. Steelers, you, the bar was so low. Do something, anything. The, when Najee had that run after the catch, a here-we-go Steelers chant took over the entire stadium. We are dying for anything. The Steelers, I, I cannot see them continuing to show up like this if the Steelers keep putting a product like this on the field. And that's why, I, look, I know some people don't like Tomlin. I just... I f- so firmly believe in the guy, and I know that this is a big mistake. People make big mistakes. Look, I mean, Tom Brady could have single-handedly lost three or four Super Bowls. Guy throws three interceptions in the second half of an NFC Championship game, gets bailed out by a defense, and we just forget about it. Like, people make mistakes. You can rebound from them, right? And we've always known that offense is not a strong suit. This is a tricky transition from a, a superstar quarterback but I don't want it to get so bad with the Rooney saying like, okay, now nobody's buying tickets to games. Like we got to move on. And then you are really just crossing your fingers that you're quote unquote still the Steelers because there were proud teams like the Cowboys and the 49ers until just recently that were winning constantly, constantly, constantly. And then they sucked for decades. Like just because they're the Steelers doesn't mean they're going to be great. It's the through lines from the generations that keep the Steelers great. And the Steelers being in no man's land in 2020s, late 2020s, whatever it is, scares the crap out of me. So get the guy a damn coordinator. Let's figure this out. You got to interview the Shanahan tree. You got to find someone. And you got to be bold. And you got to stop living in your fears. I got to get this guy a beer. Hit us up yeah. on X at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.